The crypto fear and greed index shows a 40, which means that people are once again fearful. But I would argue that we need a apathy indicator showing that people have just left. They're apathetic. We have time-based capitulation. The longer it goes, the more likely they are to just leave and never come back. And this just reeks of 2015 and 2019. We've been here before. Does the fact that we have low volume and low interest mean that we are in fact in an opportunity zone? And this is the time to seriously start buying. Historically, that is the case. And while we are all excited in a bull market and there's FOMO and everybody wants to be a part of this, we all know that the best things are being built in the bear market. The best news often comes in the bear market. It just doesn't move price. We have Solana doing a partnership with Visa to move USDC for cross-border payments. We have El Salvador starting to teach their children about Bitcoin in schools. There's so much good that's happening. It just gets buried in the apathy and the depression. I've got one of my favorite guests here today who can actually put data behind all of this. James Butterfield, of course. And then Texas West Capital, Chris Inks, on the back half of the show to look at the charts and see what we should be looking at from a trading perspective. You guys don't want to miss this one. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of Wall Street. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and aggressively smack that like button. Or I should say just apathetically, casually drop one of your fingers on the like button because we know that's the attitude. Listen, we were on Crypto Town Hall yesterday, our Twitter spaces that we do at 10.15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And in the background, it was like even the hosts were capitulating. Our whole team was like, this is so boring. There's nothing to talk about. Who are these guests? They're morons. There was one guy up there who had 400 followers. I don't even know how he got on stage. And he was screaming about how Jim Cramer in 2006 had pointed out that everything was manipulated in markets. And that meant that crypto had to go to $3,000. I literally, I never do this. I told the guy, you sound like an idiot and took him off the stage. I mean, we were at the lowest of the lows, which means there's only way, one way to go, which is up. But yeah, it's hard sometimes to show up every day and be inspired by this space when everyone around you is apathetic, but there's actually really good news. And like I said, these are the moments historically when you actually want to start looking at the quality projects that are being built at Bitcoin because we know we will get yet another halving and likely another cycle and that the bull, mar bull market inevitably will come again. That's my perspective, but I'd love to talk to about it with uh, James Butterfield from CoinShares. James, how are yeah. you today? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah. Um, I absolutely agree on the... Uh, it was interesting. I was on LinkedIn the other day and I posted this article on Sunday's blog article about uh, is bit, why Bitcoin is in the trading doldrums. And um, we spent a lot of time trying to create a sort of accurate set of volumes data. And uh, that's taken ages to do. There's a lot of wash trading that goes on. So... But we've, re we've come to sort of an agreed set of exchanges that we can trust. We call them trusted exchanges data. And it's interesting on LinkedIn, someone pointed out, oh, yeah, the trading doldrums, you see them exactly during uh, or just before halving periods. And actually, that's not a bad timer looking at it. You do tend to see these periods of these doldrum periods just prior to halving. And now we're, what, eight months away, seven months away. Yeah. Um, it's not a bad observation. Um, you know, I think... My argument against that would be, well, you know, 
it's perfectly known. People know that the halving is about to occur. That's but, right. Is it priced in? Right. I guess. You know, the market I, mean, I wrote literally my newsletter this morning. Everybody should know I have a free newsletter. I put out five days a week. 2023 is 2019. I mean, this was the topic because it was so depressing to me uh, hearing about it, but everything that was exactly similar in these four-year cycles and why, well, this exact topic, to, to be frank, is that uh, there's nothing new here under the sun. This is exactly what happens every single time we're going into the halving year, which is crazy because we spend so much time talking about the macro and all the things surrounding it, but maybe this one thing is enough. Honestly, there is a groundswell of um, interest in the halving, though. I'm getting an increasing number of calls from journalists talking about it, although it's still way away. I think That's towards great. the end of this year, everyone in their outlooks, the big crypto outlooks for 2024, all the subjects are going to be about halving. I think it's just going to become a complete frenzy by about March next year. So many going to be, people are going to be talking about it. And a lot less people were talking about the, it Agreed. in 2019. And I think it's going to become a really big event, although it's well known. It'd be a really big event this time. That that in my prediction, when you talk about it in that manner, is going to be a sell the news event, right? Because we all know that the having itself is nothing. It takes you know six months for that actual reduction in supply to matter. This is one of those things where the having goes, and it's like Y two K. and the world didn't explode. Nothing changed. It'll build up to it. I bet it'll sell off, and then we'll slowly build through the in, through September and October. That's where there's really happen. big questions. We've been meeting all the top mining companies, and we're about we're we're going to publish a mining report, which we do most years. And we were thinking about subjects, and we've been floating those those ideas to um, various mining companies. And one of the ideas was what happens to miners during after the halving and you know revenues obviously we all know are going to be literally halved and so we've been creating a cost curve looking at those right at the end of the lower the cost curve and right right at the top of the cost curve who's going to hurt the most and i think that is a really big question this time clearly some miners are in a position where it is going to be incredibly difficult incredibly tight for them next year um yeah. some are well capitalized from a cash perspective in going into this but others it's going to really hurt it's going to be very, I, I do expect there to be a potential drop in hash power or at least the transferring and ownership of hash. Right in the comments. I'm more excited about the hash rate dump. <laughs> I'm talking about this, sell the news. Soon as we see the miners capitulate and unplug the older uh, machines, then we know the pump is on. I think I, I, I actually agree with that. I think it'll be a immediate sell-off and uh, it will take a little while to recover. And then we just head into the next bull market. I mean, you guys went very deep though in this article, or you, I should say, not even you guys. Bitcoin traded volumes on trusted exchanges. Bitcoin volumes on trusted exchanges. Bitcoin trading <laughs> by category. Stable coin share of Bitcoin volumes. Exchange market share of Bitcoin volumes. I mean, you went really, really deep here. Yeah. So what, There's a lot of... You did a very quick TLDR. Like, what did you learn from digging in... Yeah deep to to all of it there's a lot of different facets you know why are we in the trading doldrums we per quarter we were trading like 10 billion dollars a day and then q1 q2 this year we're down to like a seven and four billion dollars a day so big drop um and a lot of it can it can be attributed to binance so binance actually benefited massively from ftx its volumes there and it, it got it pushed its market share up to 80 percent but since it ended its fee holiday, since we had all the regulatory crackdowns, um, its volumes have fallen to 30% market share. So dramatic decline. It's not necessarily gone anywhere either. So um, 
you know, that is one thing, one big reason. And then a regulatory crackdown has made people a lot more cautious. Yeah, and you're bringing up this, this, uh, this tweet. Uh, who ha this guy has a real Travis. Sort of thing against yeah. yeah it's really funny Travis so China. Travis to be to uh, he's a friend of mine actually and he was uh one of the biggest FTX creditors his uh hedge fund Ikigai uh was a very popular very uh successful hedge fund and he lost almost everything it was sitting on FTX because he was trading there and he has seemingly sort of become the anti-CZ I think as a bit of PTSD from yeah. it but he's a very smart, very good guy. And this is indisputable. I, I can dispute some of the takes that we see from some of the people who are so anti-Binance, but this is Binance's slow train wreck towards implosion. I can't say they'll implode, but a lot has happened if you look at this bullet point by bullet point so, with Binance over the time. Someone, we were having this discussion just earlier. He's got an ax to grind, but he, he makes some good points. I'd say that, you know, then the question becomes, is it systemic? Is it, you know, a problem for the broader crypto industry? Um, the fact that its market share of trading volumes has fallen from 80% down to 30%, I think is, is still one of the biggest exchanges, but it's still a bit of a comfort that it's, it wouldn't, if they did collapse, I don't know that's if they right. will, I, if they did, it wouldn't be as bad. Yeah, that's what I was saying to you before. I think this is good news, right? A, a slow train wreck is a lot better than an FTX collapse. I mean, if Binance is down to 20, 15, 10% of market share, I don't know that it'll go that low, but it could. 80 to 30 is massive. Right. I think we've yeah. seen a general trend of centralized to decentralized exchanges as well. We all know that Uniswap is outperforming, at least as, as far as volume Coinbase, month over month over month over month. That if a DOJ action comes, if CZ steps down, if Binance collapses as as a ecosystem, we want them to be as small as possible when that happens. I'm not saying it will, but if it does, 80% market share, that's the end of crypto. 30%, we can tolerate that and, and probably get through it. I mean, some of the changes. Sorry, some of the other interesting insights I felt I thought were interesting is the collapse. Well, not quite collapse, but the big drop in stablecoin market share of crypto of Bitcoin volumes. Um, so again, it was around 90% market share. It's dropped to around 60% today, and a lot of that is the lack of use of BNB. Um, but it's very high. If you look at uh, if you scroll back up a little bit to the chart um, on not that one, the next one up there. Um, that is the DXY index, that's the trade weighted dollar index against the market share of stable coins. Now, there is a correlation there. So when people have a high appetite for the dollar, i.e. when rates are being rates are rising, stable coin market share really picks up. So it is linked to the dollar. And you know, this year we've seen a bit of a, a drop off in appetite for the dollar, well, in the dollar index. And actually, that's part of the reason why I think we've seen a drop off in stablecoin market share and perhaps why we've seen, you know, Bitcoin is the volumes are trading a bit lower. There are less people trading dollar, the, the dollar Bitcoin pair at the moment. Interesting. I wonder how much of that has to do with sort of the uh, banking collapse and the FUD around stablecoins and the general sentiment around Tether. But my gut says that this is just the exact same symptom of the 2019 bug, right? That it's the, this part of the cycle right before having 2019 to 2023. People are wondering where the uh, title came from. I mean, this is where the guy said in this report, by the way, saying uh, crypto exchange volumes fall to 2020 levels as institutional funds hemorrhage. That's what you would expect right around the having. 
Historically speaking, we are in the opportunity zone and smart buyers in the past have been very profitable, perching assets whilst volume and interest were so low. That's our title right there. Bitcoin is in the opportunity zone. This guy said it, we said it. I agree personally, but that doesn't mean I don't think that uh, you might get a lower price on Bitcoin at some point in the next year. Yeah, I think, you know, like having spoken to so many of the large miners recently, um, they're saying, we asked them, what are you doing in t- towards the halving? And they say, well, what do you think is going to happen? And they say, the answer is, we don't know, which is quite <laughs> worrying. But I mean, I think it's generally they don't. And that's why a lot of them are now hoarding. They're not, they're not, if you look at hash power recently, it's not declined much. Uh, sorry, it's not really increasing anymore. They're just yeah. holding fire. They're waiting to see what happens and just being playing it a little bit cautious. Um, but certainly, yes, historically, you know, they will cite, oh, okay, well, after the halving, actually prices tend to do quite well six months afterwards. And um, I think there's an element of truth to that, certainly self-fulfillment, self-fulfilling prophecy to some extent. Yeah, I mean, to wrap a bow around this topic, how are the institutions that you're speaking to talking about it outside of the having right now? I mean, this exact same article you scroll down, it says, it seems like to me, institutions are most likely to be the next wave of capital capital to enter the crypto economy. So we were just talking off air earlier. You know, I think coming towards the year end, what are the price catalysts, perhaps weaker macroeconomic data in the US prompting an earlier than expected rate cut? Um, So next year, though, rate cuts will happen. And also highly likely we have then the, the next delay uh, from the SEC will be up and they'll be, I have to answer again as to why they don't want to approve a Bitcoin, a spot Bitcoin ETF. I think so next year we'll probably see at some point a spot Bitcoin ETF approved that combined with the halving actually, I think is, is quite a good kind of environment for Bitcoin price appreciation. So these two big events, I think will be very supportive. You know, if you look at um, crypto fund flows when a spot when a future space ETF was launched in the, in the United States, the ProShares one, a billion dollars in the first week. You know, yeah. and not many people want to own a future based ETF, but a physically backed one, a lot more people do. It ticks it ticks the due diligence boxes of so many more fund managers. I think when that occurs, you could see a much larger amount of inflows. And some yeah, people we, we just have dis- yeah. we have this discussion about grayscale as well, because you know, Grayscale is trading about, I think, about a 20% discount to NAV at the moment. And, you know, the answer was, wouldn't we just see a flood of people selling out when that NAV drops to zero? And I think actually, no, the people are buying. There's a there's a lot of trading turnover in Bitcoin ETFs at the moment, including the Grayscale closed end fund, um, because I think there's really diverse opinions in there. A lot of people saying, I want to buy I want to buy the Grayscale ETF. Uh, close them fund now because it's trading at 20% discount when others are saying I'm I'm done with it I'm fed up with this but you know I think um, if you want to buy Bitcoin at 20% discount take a take a gamble that um, the ETF is going to be approved that that discount to NAV will close yeah I, I, I agree with that but the thing that people seemingly are not talking about as much which is a great article right here Buy Ether instead of Bitcoin to ride ETF momentum, crypto research firm says. And the argument here, which we've talked about before and seems to now have just kind of disappeared into the Ether, no pun intended, is that we have Bitcoin futures ETFs that makes an Ethereum ETF futures more likely even than a Bitcoin spot ETF. So if you're believing that there's going to be ETF hype in general, why not be playing the Ethereum side of that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. It's... There's no grounds for um, the SEC preventing the launch of an Ethereum 
ETF because they've allowed it with Bitcoin. One slight thing difference is that they're staking you potentially in an ETF and that might complicate matters. They might call it staking as a service. Um, does it pass the Howey test or not? There might be a few complications around that side of it. <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree with that, obviously. And we've had the narrative that now with the Grayscale decision, the SEC could theoretically go and take back the futures ETFs rather than start approving spot ETFs. It's a non-zero chance. I don't think it's very high, but it's certainly that would be a, a bit churlish. That would be a bit churlish, but um, yeah, it would be pretty aggressive. It would it would be pretty <laughs> aggressive, definitely. Now, listen, I want to talk about this. The Arc, one of their futurists. I didn't realize that Arc had futurists working there, but that's a pretty cool title to have. Says U.S. attempts to wound Bitcoin, hurting long-term interests. I mean, this seems somewhat obvious. Right. But basically saying he had a great quote here. Now I need to find it. Um, trying to kill Bitcoin because it threatens the supremacy of the U.S. dollar system is like trying to kill language translation technology because it threatens the supremacy of English. <laughs> I thought yeah, that was a great quote. <laughs> I quite like that point. Yeah. I mean, I, it is unstoppable. And I think that is actually a reason why many clients uh, hold it, partly because it's a dollar hedge to some extent. But this idea that it's going to just take over the dollar completely, I don't think it's found, well-founded either. You'd be going to a Bitcoin standard and economically that has challenges. You know, central banks actually can help control economies. Um, but I kind of think it is unstoppable um, and it's something the state can't control. So I do think, it, 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 you, know, you know, well, we see many investors holding it for that exact reason. Yeah, I, I agree. And we've talked about, obviously, sort of the institutional money being potentially the next wave. That's what you're focused on. Well, we've had sort of a gaping hole since we saw the BlockFi's and the Genesis type companies collapse, which is actually lending for institutions. Coinbase creates new crypto lending service geared toward large investors. This was basically divulged when they filed with the SEC and they had already uh, raised $57 million for this program. So they somewhat quietly did this these are over-collateralized loans. So were some of the ones in the past. But basically loaning to institutions who want to be able to use their crypto as collateral, the same way you can use your art, yacht, or securities portfolio, right? I mean, I think we all agree that in theory, when done right, Bitcoin itself is pretty pristine collateral, right? Yeah. But there's been this gaping hole, like I said, in the market. Is this big news that Coinbase is actually creating this and trying to fill that hole? I know there are already some institutions, some financial institutions that will allow, will can take a collateral, Bitcoin as collateral already. I, off the top of my head, I can't think exactly who they are, but some quite big financial institutions have already offered this. But yeah, Coinbase, it's in the crypto world, it's much higher profile. It's a smart move by them. The question is, will they also take illiquid altcoins as collateral, which has been a massive problem already for DeFi. Obviously, we've seen Curve still sort of apparently dangling on the edge with very few people talking about it. And then we've also seen, obviously, what happens when companies take a coin like FTT as collateral for loans, uh, allowing Sam Bankman fried to get away with effectively a financial murder, right? So like, is there a needle that Coinbase needs to thread here to do this in a responsible manner? Or could this become a, yet another form of contagion i don't know i mean i think like the problem with a lot of the other um cryptos uh, or altcoins are that the volumes are incredibly low massively low compared to ethereum and bitcoin and so it's much harder to trade those uh and 
And also, I think broadly sentiment amongst altcoins has been incredibly mixed this year. You have to think fundamentally, too. Some of them are just copycats of Ethereum or Bitcoin. Uh, which one is going to win out? And then this, the game is always the market size, the market share, and Bitcoin and Ethereum have massive market share. I think you can quite rightly point out dysfunctional elements of Bitcoin, dysfunctional elements of Ethereum, but they have the market size right now. I mean, it's hard to rationalize, I think, posting the other altcoin, other altcoins as collateral. At this point. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that BlackRock is choosing Coinbase for their surveillance sharing agreement and potentially for their custody, right? And <laughs> the, the, this is the only company that can probably pull this off, I would say, in the United States right now, outside of Bank of New York this, Mellon and, and and State Street and, you know, the biggest custodians. Is, is this a good thing for Coinbase? I know they're custodying BlackRock assets, but they won't be tr necessarily trading them with Coinbase. No. So yeah, I think it's, it's almost a separate a business. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's... Uh, I don't think it has much to do with the other side of Coinbase's business but that the SEC has been so skeptical. If it, if BlackRock becomes a big thing in trading, then isn't that to the detriment of Coinbase? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean that's true. Like uh, it's it's kind of like uh, sleeping with the enemy in that regard. I think. Yeah. Speaking of sleeping with the enemy, this story I have to share it. You don't have to have a comment on it, but it's just very triggering. A 700 million dollar bonanza for the winners of crypto's collapse. Lawyers. Right. We all know I've talked about how many times uh, I can't uh, I've lost my mind talking about, obviously, the Voyager proceedings, but how much these bankruptcy lawyers have made because of the collapses of FTX, Celsius, Voyager, BlockFi and others. Seven hundred million dollars. I mean, FTX, three hundred and twenty six million in fees already, and they're not even close to resolution. I mean, Voyager at least is uh, 88, a low 88 million. And, and we got some money back. And then you dig into these firms. I mean. 126 million, 111 for Sullivan and Cromwell, 101 million for Kirkland and Ellis. And in every single one of these cases, the customers and consumers would have been better off if they had just liquidated on day one. Yeah. I mean, they're incredibly complicated. And if you're a holder of FTX and you're waiting for the wind up of assets, you're going to be sitting around for quite some time, uh, you know, two, three years, maybe, maybe longer um, to receive those, get those assets back. Um, and that's partly because it's the complicated bankruptcies, lawyers do very well. Uh, yeah, I mean, FTX is an incredibly complicated wind-up. So, I, you know, in a way, I would say I wouldn't want to be a lawyer, but yeah, financially, it will be great. For that yeah, I mean, what was that number? $326 million for FTX already. It hasn't even been a year, guys. So listen, that's doing the math. That's well, that's probably $1.4, $1.3, $1.4 million a day if you amortize it. On lawyers since the collapse. Yeah, and if you're a financial bankruptcy lawyer, a lot of the crypto, which is probably most of them are in this space, crypto is very much an alien thing to them. So it's going to take them a long time to get their heads. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're the creditors are literally paying these law firms to figure out crypto. It's like uh, you're their R and D department, <laughs> and, and you're offering the funding. I mean, it's very sad. It was very funny. I I can't. Uh, remember the exact quote. I don't know if you know who Tiffany Fong is, but she's the one who SBF uh, was always talking to in the DMs and she was sharing them publicly and he continued talking to her. But she basically said that, the, that she posted a thing and it was from documents that the lawyers had spent 70 days deciding whether to sue her for, uh, for slander or something, you know, against SBF and against FTX. They decided not to, but it cost them millions of dollars to discuss suing her and she's a creditor. 
She said, I'm paying yeah. for the lawyers to decide whether to sue me or not. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And there's been other stories like that. I, I remember there was a guy, was Celsius, the, now I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but he said that they, he basically they had spent $4 million to sue him for $2 million. You know, I mean, just to show that this has nothing to do with the customers. This is just about lawyers billing, man. It's crazy. I can't wait to ask Chris about this when he gets on because he's quietly a lawyer. He, he, he has a legal degree. He won't admit that he's a lawyer, but, but he, he does have a degree. But there's two pieces of actually good news that I wanted to share here that I find interesting. I think would be probably bigger in a bull market and are just going on notice. Solana jumps on Visa stablecoin announcement as Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies remain flat. I mean, listen, I don't think this is so massive. Obviously, they've already been testing with Ethereum, but they did pilot this Visa and Visa has come out and said, this may be a superior way for faster, cheaper transactions, talking about crypto in general, and then adopting Solana for it. And yeah, you get this couple percent move on Solana, which is down 90 something percent, obviously, from all time highs. But we keep seeing, like I said, these things building in the bear market, Visa, PayPal, all yeah. these companies, meaningful adoption. These aren't just jokes. These are real things they're spending money and time on. If there's one thing that Solana's got going for it, it's that it is really well connected in the finance industry. Um, and Visa, this Visa deal is just emblematic of that. Um, I have times been a little bit cautious about Solana, partly because um, if you look at its downtime, it's been not great at all. And it's a very centralized, de decentralized network. Um, but that said, if you look at the fund flows, it's a darling amongst investors. It's of the altcoins, including Ethereum, it's had the most fund inflows year to date. It's definitely the most favored asset amongst institutional investors outside of Bitcoin at the moment. So, you know, you. it's. Yeah. Go ahead. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, sentiment is, uh, aside from my views, sentiment is very positive on it. Now, I, I may have like, people may miss this, but I thought this was why I just pulled it up because it made me think of it. This is one of the best tweets, I think, of the entire year. Austin Federa is the uh, head of the Solana uh, blockchain, the association, like obviously for doing grants and all that stuff. People totally missed the news. Base was down yesterday, right? And it was being base, which is Coinbase's layer two and base experiences stall in block production, right? And for people who know, Solana was never down. It just wasn't confirming blocks fast enough or whatever the uh, proper turn is. They, they had the same thing. Austin said, it's only an outage if it comes from the Solana region of San Diego County. Otherwise, it's just a sparkling stall in block production. So for anyone who's a champagne snob, you know, you can't call it champagne unless it comes from France. But very funny, him basically pointing out that everybody is all over Solana anytime the network slows down. But when it's Coinbase and it's base, not even a news story. Yeah, right? So I, this is not a, a story. Know, I heard it. Yeah, exactly. So not unique to Solana, but it happened literally yesterday for hours. Base wasn't working. Base was basically offline. And for some reason, maybe it's just the market or the expectation. Nobody's talking about it. And one last story I want to talk about really quick, because I think it's very cool. And I talked about in the intro. El Salvador to in introduce Bitcoin education in schools by 2024. It's coming from a nonprofit NGO, Mi Primer Bitcoin. I cannot do Spanish accents. I won't uh, try butchering it. Partnered with the Ministry of Education of El Salvador to include Bitcoin in its curriculum. And they're training thousands of teachers and looking to first do this with tens of thousands of students. I find this absolutely astounding. I know I don't think it 
moves the needle. But I think the fact that, you know, two and a half years later through this terrible market, El Salvador is still very committed to their adoption of Bitcoin and doing all the right things to show that a nation state can take this. And more importantly, we get absolutely, I don't know how it is in England, but in the United States, we get absolutely zero financial education. They're already down to teaching about Bitcoin. We can't even get them to teach people about credit card debt in the United States or how to balance your checking accounts or what GDP is, or why inflation matters. And they're teaching their students about Bitcoin. I think this is incredible. Like like I said, I don't think it moves the needle, but I just love the story. I really want to see the curriculum on this. It's going to be interesting. I I wouldn't surprise me if someone like Alex Glassing from Human Rights Foundation has had some sort of you know input into this because you know he I love hearing his tweets. But um yeah, I, I I'm very keen to see the curriculum. Yeah, me too. But I think I just think it's sort of a heart warmer for us to end our conversation on. I think it's really great. James, thank you so much for all your insights. Is there anything I might have missed? Anything uh, I missed yeah, that we yeah, need I to think, add? Yeah. I think we for, for for this market, we we covered a lot for uh, 30 minutes because, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to get three minutes out of a conversation, but we did have some things to talk about. James, thank you as always. I'm sure I'll see you back here and uh, on uh, on Twitter spaces very soon. By the way, are you going to Singapore next week by any chance for Token 2049? No. No, right. I've never been Not to a crypto maybe. conference in my life. Not yet. Good for you. You're, you're doing oh, it right. James, thank you, man. And that's all we got, obviously, on the, the news half. And I really do think that uh, this is an opportunity zone. I have a feeling that when we start looking at the charts, Chris might actually agree with that sentiment. But first, I just want to bring him on and ask him, why are, why are bankruptcy lawyers the worst, man? The lawyers... Yeah, so you got to unmute yourself. I, I caught him by surprise. Now we can just look at Chris. Hey, do we have any? I still don't hear you. So we might need to work on sign language. <laughs> do you guys hear Chris? I don't hear Chris. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll let Chris continue to, to try to figure this out. I'm sure it will work. Uh, but I have I have a feeling at least that uh, he hasn't turned into a mega bear since we spoke last week. Yeah, Cloud Casino. James is a pimp. I've never been to one in my life. He saved that money for Bitcoin like a pro. I don't know if we can make the. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, you're good. All there right. You are. Did you blow on the cartridge? Man, you know, yeah, pretty much. Right. <laughs> I, I tested it before I went on here. It was fine, and whatever. I had to plug it back in, so we're good. Uh, yeah, no, first so. thing, real quick, let me let me just make sure I say real quick, I am not a lawyer. Please a nobody lawyer. sue me. I am not a lawyer. I do not hold a bar card. I do have a law degree, though. I got to be careful on that. <laughs> he's playing one on TV right now. Okay, oh, he's not God, a lawyer. Tell you. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, bankrupt, bankruptcy is bankruptcy, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's there supposedly, you know, in this case for the creditors, but at the end of the day, it's, it's an industry in and of itself. And it's not, it's not cheap. Law is not cheap, um, you know, and uh, we, we say sometimes about lawyers making a lot of money and, and some do, but it's, it's, it's not too when you have to go hire experts and, and do all this foot travel and you have to hire all these people to go through the documents. I mean, sometimes millions and millions of documents. Did you see they hit SBF with 4 million pages yeah, of discovery? It's, it's crazy. I mean, and so when you have to, when you have to pay all that, it gets really expensive and it's just, it's it's stupid. It and it, it just it's just out of hand. It gets crazy, but it is what it is, right? What are we going to do about it? Yeah. Hey, do you uh, by any chance? I want to start. I, I just don't want to surprise you, but I want to start at the dollar. 
Because to me, the dollar is really yeah. critical level right now. So if you got a DXY chart, the reason I, I say that, by the way, is just because yeah. we've got these lower highs and we're breaking that uh, last kind of lower high there, at least trying to, yeah. right? This may end up being an SFP or something, but 50 MA here on the weekly, uh, which we've not been able to break back above in, you know, almost uh, 10, 10, 9, 10 months. And now trying to push that level and right at it, you can see there. So I just want to know your thoughts because yeah. we all know that a lot of things hinge on what the dollar does here. Yeah. So um, big picture, just for people that don't, I mean, this is the count. There's five waves up, up through, you know, our target that we had. Um, if, if you look at it, it's, it's where we would expect. It is the, uh, the 200 uh, extension there off wave two there. I mean, so, you know, for all intents and purposes, this is five waves up. And so coming back, the odds that we're done here at not even 38.2 are really, really low. Um, when I look at this, what it looks like to me, I mean, it's really, yeah, you know, it broke over that, that recent swing high there. And I'll zoom in in a minute here. But really, we're right around the weekly pivot. Um, you know, we could get a little bit further up here. But I think what we have here is just an expanded flat or a flat of some sort. And I think, you know, we'll come on down here at least again toward that 93, 94 area, at least, if not 90, to get the 50% retracement. Um, if we jump in here to the weekly, yeah, again, looking in here. Yeah, see, it looks kind of bullish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it looks like it, but I mean, you know, again, uh, weekly Stoke RSI has topped out, you know, and overbought mm. there. Um, you know, volume isn't really expanding or anything. It's, it's just kind of staying level as it's gone up here. So, no, it's not like we have this large kind of like push of, of demand coming in. And this right here, by the way, is is the um, is the the dollar futures chart, not the DX. I was going to ask. I was like, where are you getting volume? Because yeah, mine doesn't exactly. Have volume that's on why. It. That's yeah. why. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, you know, we've got this range here. I think, you know, worst case scenario, we kind of head up here around, uh, you know, uh, 105.87 or maybe even 106.70. But I think that just about does it. I think, you know, we're still then caught in this, this, um, this kind of area right here. That's been yeah. the real kind of, this has been the real resistance right here. You know, I'll come up through here and all again. So I think, you know, that's kind of where we get to. And then we just kind of continue on down. Um, again, the odds that uh, that we're going to, you know, be done with a pullback here, at, you know, not even at the 38.2 retracement doesn't make a whole lot of sense on a wave two. It can happen. It can happen. But until it does, I, I don't, I think, you know, we're looking good here. I've got five, got a flat. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, maybe we'll it just gets rejected right here. I mean, maybe this is it, right? It's at that line. It's right at the 50 MA. Maybe it sort of sinks throughout the rest of the week, and there we go. But so it wouldn't concern you at all to break up to 106 and sort of uh, nah. take out above those lower highs. No, as a matter of fact, I wouldn't even really become calling I, concerned, highs, concerned about a further breakout unless we were getting up. You know, I would start to start thinking about if we got above that 78.6 at about 111.22. If we got up there, then I would go, okay, well, maybe somehow this is some really short, small ABC kind of thing, and we're heading up. But until then, um, you know, it should just be a pullback uh, with further downside to go before the, the you know, rally up higher, <laughs> I guess there. So, yeah. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so now that I put you on the spot with the dollar, what did you actually want to talk about? Yeah, no, no, no. I wanted to talk about that. As a matter of fact, I wanted to show that bigger picture just so people got an understanding, you know, of, of kind of really where we are instead of just locally. It's easy to get caught up locally. But I mean, this is, you know, the bigger picture here. Um, and so, you know, again, pulling back there makes a lot more sense. I, yeah. don't even know I, I mean, I still think downside, even if it breaks up, I think that gives us this stock market correction everyone's been looking for five, 10%. And then 
continue, right? So. Yeah, well, so here's something. Um, I've got this BlackRock chart here. This is the quarterly. Um, and uh, according to what we've got here as far as account goes, coming from this um, this um, January of 09 low, the great uh, financial crisis low it had, I mean, we've got a target. This is Blackstone, to be clear. Blackstone, not BlackRock, right? Yeah, yeah, Blackstone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, thanks. <laughs> Make sure. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, they've got a target. I mean, we got a target up here around 237 or so. Um, and that's looking good because right now we're only sitting at 108. So, I mean, um, I like this chart a lot. Uh, you know, we're just breaking out through this uh, quarterly uh, pivot here impulsively. We got good breakout going. Um, so, I, you know, I think we've got good target on that. Um, and then as far as stops go here as well, I like the. Uh, the spider select sector fund for technology here. Um, it's the XLK. And yeah, basically, okay. I mean, we could get a rejection and come on down further. And if we do, before we hit the 179.05, we'll look to potentially hit 156 here at that 50%. But That's if we're also breaking, a clear demand zone right there from that breakout on the left. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And But if we break above this 179.05, we should be looking up here at 195. And that's just five of three. Um, and that continues to align with everything else we'll look at. You know, if we pull up, um, you know, the SPY, we've, we've looked at that before. Again, five of three coming up. Um, you know, all those uh, stocks and indexes and whatnot are all kind of looking like they're at that five of three. So, you know, we get a three, we get a pullback for four, and then we'd still get a five up. Um, and then either that's it or that's just one of the next five up. So, um, a lot of possibility potentially still sitting in there. Yeah. Um, right, so, so you're thinking more upside on stocks, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah. So, so that means that we probably see more downside on the dollar, right? <laughs> well, you know, so when we jump over here to to crypto again, here, um, I'd been talking about Prime, and I had a, a different count which had us this peaked out right above our target area up here, almost four dollars. Um, I've adjusted that count. Uh, and it looks like we've still got a uh, $5.60 target um, and potentially even a secondary target at $6.50 there. But, um, you know, we're at $3.90 right now, so that's a good move up coming in on that. I like the pullback to the uh, the daily pivot here and this nice three candles coming off there after we kind of went sideways. We, you know, printed uh, tweezer bottoms here as dojis and just kind of took off volume expansion. It looks great. Um now that doesn't mean straight up from here. We we could see you know a bit of a pullback and then go up, but uh, ultimately I think we do run up there five six and then uh, maybe even six and a half. Um, Y'all were talking about Saul, which was good because I had Saul in there because I was going to say again that Visa partnership thing. Uh, Saul was one of the better runners the other day. Um, and also has so bullish divergence. I, I, this is the thing I noticed by the way on like almost every altcoin chart I was scanning. I'll just show you real quick. I mean I just happened to bring up Solana. Obviously, lower lows on price. Obviously, higher lows on IS, yeah. RSI there. I think, uh, let me think, uh, Matic, uh, Eagle, which you brought up last week, same yeah. thing, building even more right yeah. there. Inject, uh, injective, same thing, building bullish divergence. Matic, oversold with clear bullish divergence. I mean, sentiment is in the dumps. I'm yeah. not saying these are like, I'm not saying the bottom is uh, forever in, but, but I'd be pretty be surprised right now if we didn't get a nice bounce. All, everything and Bitcoin has the same, by the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, I mean that's what it's all about. You know, this is a great show you guys out on because it's things that I've been talking about lately. You know, is the sentiments in the dumps, you know, and uh, and everybody's you know just like oh, it's it's going to go down, or I don't even care anymore, and you know, and and people just kind of go away. And you know, Twitter did 
X, whatever you want to call it, gets real quiet. Um, you know, and we're sitting out there still doing our thing. And uh, there's a few people out there that are following you, that are following me, that are still doing their thing. Uh, but most people generally are out because most people got in on the hype. I mean, it's what they do, right? You get in at the top, you finally get out at the bottom, you swear it off, you get back in at the next, uh, you know, high. Um, it, it's it's kind of it's it's kind of crazy the way human nature works. But you know, when you trade long enough, you see this over and over again. And you know, the the players may change, but they're generally the same people over. They're like NPCs, right? To it's like the same change. one over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And so. You know, you just kind of you kind of go through it and you try to convince people this time around that it's the same thing as every other time. And they argue and they complain and they, you know, they say it's not. And then it happens and then you do it again the next time. It just is what it is. But, yeah. Um, so so for, for Saul, for me here, um, it's an interesting place. It's about halfway here between the pivot and the S1 here on the daily. Um, if we get rejected uh, before we're really breaking out impulsively above that pivot, uh, I think we get the I think we get the reversal at the uh, about seventeen dollars and sixty six cents or so at that S one pivot. I think we'll get the you know about the reversal there. But if we do get an impulsive breakout above the pivot, we just need to see fall through uh, through twenty five sixty eight, um, and that gets us up here around eighty four thirty five as the next you know as the uh, we've got it a one two and then one two here. So this one two three up there at eighty four thirty five. And a lot of people here are probably going, oh, whatever, you're an idiot, you're so stupid. Yeah, I know, I was stupid over here at nine, nine and some change when I said buy, right? I said 30 to 15, and then we got 15, I said 30. So, um, you know, we ended up hitting, what, 32, 13 so far. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Saul, I, I think uh, I don't see any reason to be over, you know, overtly bearish on it like everybody seems to be. Um, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with Sam and all that, but it is what it is. Um, and one other, th I got one other chart here that I uh, that pumped here recently. Uh, yesterday was or today is uh, ENJ here, and so um, you know I think Man, uh, we work our way up to classic what? engine. I said these are classics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know we had to at least pump though. I mean, geez, it's uh, I didn't even see that. It's huge. That's what that's uh, this was just thirty percent, twenty thirty percent, twenty no, almost twenty five percent. I think wave three is up there around uh, about uh, 0.3065. And then we got a wave five up there around 0.3293 at least. But that then just becomes the beginning. You know, you get up there, you kind of pull back, and then, you know, you're breaking out and heading higher. Um, I think it's set well. I like the pullback. Let me zoom out here to the weekly. This um, this nice zone it pulled back into right here from all the way from where it opened. From across here was the resistance, as you can see previously back in 20. Tagged it here for the the pop here, trying to uh, cross bullishly here on the weekly. Uh, again, bullish divergence you were talking about. Here it is on the weekly here, bullish divergence uh, right at the uh, low volume node. I mean, it's it's everything is textbook right here. Uh, I, I think this thing just kind of continues to to run up there now. So yeah, you know you you saw it there. You mentioned it as far as alts go, a lot of uh, bullish divergences across them, um, especially the larger time frames. Uh, I think uh, things could get a little interesting. And with everybody being so down about everything, it's the perfect time, right? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Anything else that you're looking at right now? I mean, that I didn't see that engine. I wonder, we sort of have, I know engine is gaming based. So we had this sort of narrative of late that uh, there was this gala games and the co-founders are suing, are suing each other. And now everybody's moving into other gaming coins from there. So we saw kind of these moves up in 
trying to remember Naka, whatever the hell that is. I guess <laughs> maybe now Engine and, and and other gaming coins. So maybe that's a part of this is that that uh, volume is flowing from one to the other. Pullback. Always have a narrative. Pullback sixty one eight. I mean, it's you know, it's exactly what you say, golden pocket. So I mean, you know, you play you play your probabilities, right? That's what trading's about, probabilities. Absolutely. Anything else you're uh, looking at, or are we uh we're good? No, to go? I think I think that's the big ones. I think uh, just the general idea is is just been great with your title of the show here, which is again apathy and and everybody's kind of in crypto here, just thinking, you know, either it's going to go down further, or I just don't care anymore. And uh, you know, that's usually uh, if you're a trader, that's usually what you're looking for. Those are the times where you're going, okay, well, there may be a uh, there's likely a bottom somewhere in this area, um, and so. It's time to pay attention. I think you know if you're still here right now, pay attention now. This is the time. Totally agree. I oh, mean, thank you so much. I'm glad we uh, got your uh, mic to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> out here. I tell you, it's the Nintendo. We blow on the cartridge. You hit the machine. You do all the classics, man. Always great to get your insight and to know that uh, nothing to panic about here. I do think that we're in the opportunity zone. Like I said, I mean, even if yeah. it drops twenty, who cares? Yeah, yeah. I mean, new bull market coming. Don't, you know, as long as you're not leveraged, <laughs> you might care if you're leveraged, you know, but uh, otherwise, I, you know, I think you're good. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you so much. Take care. All right, guys. That's all I got for you today. Of course, we'll be back tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and on Twitter Spaces in about 30 minutes at 10.15. Always a pleasure to catch up with both James and Chris and, of course, all you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you tomorrow. I hope you're going to come back, right? You're not going to leave me here? All right. Peace. Let's go.